No more Mr. Nice Duck. Drop that zero and get with the hero. <laughs> Excuse me? Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And now, ladies and gentlemen, any further questions? Bar, yeah, please. For the first one who buys one, right? Ah. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. Apparently, it's rusted junk, and we're looking at it. Okay, welcome to episode three of Rusted Junk, in which we talk about the 1989 film Chances Are, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Sybil Shepherd. From the director of Dirty Dancing. Alex Finch isn't himself today. Who the hell are you? Getting a strong German shepherd vibration. Good guess. He's someone else. I'm Louis Jeffries. I'm so glad. You two know each other? Is he out of his element? Oh, this is bad. It's worse than I thought. Out of his body? It's your first time as a human? I used to be a lawyer. You! My memory came back of my last life. I beg your pardon? You two know each other? Or just out of his mind. They're fooling with the folios. Philip! Fooling with the folios? Yeah. Miranda, you two know each other? Peekaboo. Don't break that, it was father's. All he wants is your money. He wants my body. I'm gonna go upstairs and take a cold shower. Go to your room, Alex! Go to your room. Go. I will, mother. Miranda! Philip! Alex? Mom? <laughs> Are you quite through? Remember this? You two know each other? Sybil Shepherd. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill and Mary Stewart Masterson. This is incredible. Chances are now on video cassette. Not to be missed. Chances are only from RCA Columbia Pictures Home Video. Okay, so that was the film trailer for Chances Are. Um, I suppose we should get straight into it and go, um, what did you think of it? Well, um,. I wasn't like a big, real Robert Downey Jr. fan during the 80s and 90s. Mm. Um, but I absolutely adore him in Iron Man, and they're some of my most favourite films. Um, so getting to like him in his older years, and then seeing him as a young man, oh, young man, <laughs> um, was actually quite sweet. Because I'd not really, I've never seen the film before, so it was actually quite refreshing to see him do some kind of like real kind of newbie style sort of acting. So but, but I, he, I actually yeah. quite enjoyed the film. He did kind of do that. He did in the eighties. Everyone sort of forgets pre Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. and the sort of stuff he was doing. I mean, because ever since Iron Man, it's allowed him to do Sherlock Holmes, the upcoming Doctor Doolittle. You know, he's about to be Dr. Doolittle, so he's a range of characters. He talks to the animals. But he actually started, I don't know if it's his first film role, I think we talked about this in episode one, I don't know if his first film role was in Weird Science, playing one of the bullies in Weird <laughs> Science. Because, weirdly enough, and this is definitely a forgotten movie which we'll do, and it is on the list, um, I don't know if we can do a Robert Downey Jr. double, double header and do it all again. Well, um... Is, is he starred with the queen of teen movies in the 80s um, undeniable queen I'm willing to be uh, challenged on that uh, but he starred with Molly Ringwald um, from Pretty in Pink and The Breakfast Club in a film called The Pickup Artist uh, two years before this I believe oh okay yeah. what, so we're 87 yeah I think so I think it was 87 I'm probably going to be probably, it's probably going to end up being 91 and then ineligible to be on the podcast but anyway yes um he he did that kind of character hmm. you know he's a lovable type of character he then had his made his life choices and they went south and yeah it's hmm. i've always i've always liked him i've always thought he's a, he's a, you know he's an actor that i'd want to watch regardless of what he's um regardless of what he's in so you know when he became iron man I think when we first w both watched Iron Man, we thought this is pretty much Iron Man. I mean, I, we, I mean now it, you can't rip Robert Downey Jr. out of the Iron Man role, but I think even at the time you just thought you never thought, oh, he needs to grow into this. It was just pretty much instant. Yeah, he was definitely Tony Stark, wasn't he? Yeah, it was perfect uh, kind of appointment to a role. Really, see, we we may get attacked by the nerds because they might go, 
I mean, oh. but we're nerds, really. I mean, I can't do the podcast about forgotten eighties <laughs> movies. I mean, what does that make me? But it's it's kind of like, yeah. Anyway, let's get let's get let's get off that. Well, then we come to Sybil Shepherd. Yes. Now a, f- a favourite of mine in the eighties. Wow. Well, I was a, a bit of a, I was a bit of a fan during the moonlighting but it kind of didn't last the whole of the moonlighting seasons really because I got a little bit bored with her kind of madcap ah look at me I'm a bit of a bimbo kind of blonde oh what are you doing kind of thing okay and there was an element of that in this film kind of the middle to later stages of the film not so much at the beginning Hmm. but it was kind of apparent towards the end um so, but because the film didn't have a lot of it, I wasn't put off by it. Okay. It was almost like, well, that's her kind of trademark style of madcap kind of acting that she does in, in, in a way. I thought she was too restrained. I thought she she basically filmed this, I believe, because it was a, a writer's strike on Moonlighting and she had some chance. They basically weren't doing Moonlighting. It was like on hiatus for some reason. I think it was a writer's strike. Maybe not. But she it allowed a time in the schedule in order to, to film this. I think by that time we were probably up to season three of Moonlighting, if I remember. Um, so this is perfect. She's riding as high as she possibly can be. And she makes a film... Um, I suppose, actually, we should tell you about the film <laughs> rather than <laughs> giving into... Yes, that performance was wonderful as the... Uh, oh, and we haven't told you yet what it is. Um, as ever, and the mistake I made with Iron Eagle, if you did listen to the previous ones, if you did, then hey, welcome back. Um, if you didn't, then um, oh, you're in for a treat. But I would say watch the film beforehand, um, and then this next this next lot will make a, a, a lot of sense. Um, it's strange because the the actual description of chances are is a reincarnated man unknowingly falls in love with his own daughter from a previous life once he realises this he tries to end the relationship before angels erase his memory now it's it's probably before we start talking about the film it's probably right to say that I don't think that that's right because him trying to end the relationship he would be doing that anyway right because when he finds out oh is his dad is her dad reincarnated it's not like a race against time before angels erase his memory yeah, there is a film that's similar to that, isn't there, where angels have to kind of erase stuff, but there was no sign of them from the beginning of the film until sort of... Yeah, the angels appeared in heaven end. and then that's it. But that's only because he'd had an accident. Yes. That they came and saw to him. So, effect. well, the premise is that Sable Shepherd happily, mar- ha- happily married... Yeah, she was very happy. Married. But didn't he have some jewellery to give her? I can't remember. That yeah. was our first anniversary, I think. Oh, okay, so it's the first anniversary. They got they get they get married um, at the altar. This bit's important. At the altar, Ryan O'Neill, who plays his best mate, um, basically says to him, uh, as she's walking down the aisle, "I'm in love with your wife." No, wife I'm in love be. with Corinne. I'm in love with her, and he I turns know. around and goes. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, you, you just... Uh, we'll get to that. But uh, on first cut to one year later, first anniversary, she's waiting in a uh, coffee shop. Um, he's running over to be with her on the anniversary. And you could just tell by the shot that's going to happen that something was going to happen to the husband. Oh, it's that. It's that behind-the-camera shot, which zeroes in a bit on... Sybil Shepherd and he's excited and all that sort of stuff and you as soon as he takes a step as soon as he takes a step off that's it splat he's gonna go but in all fairness I think the stunt acting on that was pretty rubbish because he just basically gambled over the car I mean I'm no expert in car crashes and deaths involving cars but the stunt looked like it wasn't actually that serious (laughs) Yeah, you'd look as if he's probably got, like, like he's a, not dead from that. Well, he'd get like a, a couple of broken legs or something like that, and well, rehabilitation. I don't think he'd even get that, to be honest. The way in which he, I don't know, it hits him pretty him. hard. Anyway, we're getting into the getting into the film. I'll describe the film quickly. 
Um, obviously, if you've seen it, just bypass this. But if you haven't seen this, it'll just be purely entertaining when we get to the bits when we talk about it. So he dies. He then gets to heaven. Spoiler. Well, it's yeah. But he then gets to heaven and basically is said, where do you want to be reincarnated? Um, we'll come back to that in a moment. He gets reincarnated as um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, has an accident uh, and suddenly realises that uh, he's actually meets this girl, uh, goes, goes for a job at the paper, lots of things happen. Anyway, he ends up getting his memory back and suddenly realises that he wants to be with his wife but his daughter has just fallen in love with him and basically it's it's all about that um oh and his best mate's still buzzing around and basically taking care of his wife and his daughter whilst they were she was growing up yeah absolutely still really in love with her has had two failed marriages although you don't see any of that no yet he's like letting himself into the house with the spare key that's kept in a not very inconspicuous place in the same oh, place. Oh, it's worth security. We'll, we'll come on to oh, your possibly. security for, uh, foibles. Um, your observations. But, but, yeah, he's, he's almost like embedded in the family. It's very, it's very as, odd. As a dad, but it's not very odd. as a husband or boyfriend or anything. But I, I guess that's acceptable. That's not a problem. It's not. It's, it's just plain but weird. It's just a little bit odd, the fact that the two of them haven't really moved on. Right. Well, let's... <laughs> right let's go through it let's let's go back to the wedding <laughs> right it's before before this happened he tells him obviously um, I'm in love with Corinne and he goes I know that their relationship survives another year after that now I don't know much about it but if I'm stood there with my best man next to me and my best man goes oh yeah you know I'm in love with blah 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 then you'd be like right can we take this up after the wedding because that's, this is really highly inappropriate um, and then probably if he if he demanded to say, oh I'm going to make a scene I'm going to do something then I'd end up lamping him it's just simple as that um, you know you're not spoiling my day or whatever so um, apparently this is fine because Ryan O'Neill is part of the family he comes along cut to the next bit she gets up she, so Sybil Shepherd's in bed so they've been married Sybil Shepherd's in bed and she opens the closet and the husband's there going, oh, with his clothes on and everything, with a, hey, happy anniversary and all this sort of stuff, right? How long have you been waiting in the cupboard? I mean, if, if I was upstairs, right, well, you would you start, you wouldn't get in the wardrobe. Well, I'd clear some stuff out, it'd be all right, it'd be making, I'd have to bend down a little, it'd be, it'd be quite thing. But anyway, so if I waited in there, with, let's say something like romantic, like a rose, I'd have to get up. You'd hear me. You'd hear me muffling around. around, yeah. You'd then probably stir, maybe, and look at it and goes, why Why is he getting into a suit? Uh, it's Saturday morning, you know. And then next thing you know, you'd hear me clearing all my shirts out and everything. And you'd go, what exactly is going on? And then I'd get in with the rose, close the doors. I don't know how, but I'd manage to close the doors. And then I'd just be in, be waiting in there for you to get up. It's a bit creepy, kind of... Well, no, because it's logistically impossible. It, it couldn't be done. She, it, she, she's sleeping right next to the to the to the closet. Plus, she opens up the one he happens to be in. Because I could be in our example, I could be waiting with the rose, and you open up you open up the wrong cupboard and get ready. And I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty much screwed, then, isn't it? This is a, this is a well thought out plan. But anyway, so apparently, this is something that happens in eighties films. There's a lot of a lot of things you have to park to one side that. Um, well, she tells him she's having the baby, doesn't she? At that point. That's she's right. Pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, because he wants to get it on, and she's she's going, "Oh yeah, we can," but yeah, I just want to tell Come you, back you're pregnant. Because I've got Passion a special killer. gift for you. Passion killer. It was like, like, do I have to be in bed for you to tell me this? And she said yes, because I planned it. Yeah, and he thinks he's like going to get like a nice present, and it's like he gets an even better present. Anyway, let's, 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 not, uh, let's not get down that. Um, it, it, I mean, that, he's, that, he's like, romantic. Oh, one thing sorry. I found really weird was if if they knew, if he knew, well, he obviously did know that it was their anniversary. Why had he not got a gift for her anniversary on the morning of the anniversary? Why was he seen later on in the film? Because I think he was going to take her out for Buying the earrings... 
Oh, that's a prior good point. Yeah. to meeting her at the restaurant. Now, I'm sorry, but that to me is panic buying. That's not what, a flowers, good thing. Flowers yeah. from the uh, from the garage. From the garage. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good thing. Okay. For your for your better half, basically. It's yeah, but not. You did, if I brought home flowers from the garage, you go, <laughs> "Hello, these look remarkably like flowers from the garage." If on the anniversary, however, I go, "Ah, oh, sweetheart, I can't wait to see you later," and I brought you some earrings or something like that. You'd never know. That's not a panic buy. He's probably gone. Do you know what? Hello, can I? This is J.R. Hartley. You know, I'd like. I'd like some. Well, I know he didn't ask for earrings, but yeah. So he's he's obviously thought ahead, and maybe he's just picking it up and he's just looking at it. He's validated. It's oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I made he hasn't a medical choice. At all. Why? But it, it it looks from the film because the, the jeweler actually kind of says hello to him through the through the window. And he acknowledges him, and then he goes, point, obviously you can't see me pointing, he points to the item that he wants to buy. Okay. And then goes into the shop, and like, has this conversation with the jeweller. Maybe he's so, like, you know, he's Bessie's, Bessie mate, like. Well, maybe it is, like people have like, I don't know, over there, family lawyers, family vets, family, family jewellers. Family jewellers? Family jewellers could oh. be the next big game show. Anyway, um, well, maybe he's had to apologise a lot. He acts. I I think you're supposed to like him at the start, and and I find the um, that the person that plays him. Let me just look it up. It's this overwhelming, is, isn't he? It's a bit. Oh, he's just basically full suffering. on. I mean, he's great. Another um, Christopher McDonald. Um, he's appeared in other. He's he appeared in a lot of Adam Sandler films as well. So. Um, I mean, it's just an unlike—it's just an unlikable character, and you know he plays the piano. Oh, it's great! And you're you're supposed to be rooting for him. So when he gets run over, you're supposed to actually feel sorry. But I was like, do you know what, sweetheart? I think you've had a lucky escape. If I'm honest, if he's now if he's now shuffled off this mortal coil, and then he, and then he pops to heaven. Oh, we've completely missed as well. In between all that, hmm. between like her announcing that she's pregnant to him, immediately after that just as they're about to kind of, you know, get a little bit jiggy. Um, jiggy. Like, his busy mate hmm. has let himself into the house with the key in the in the not very con- inconspicuous That's place. That's right. Why is he there on anniversary day? Why, why is he going in in the morning? You know, first anniversary. Yeah, it's likely that you're going to be having a little bit of jiggy, isn't it, in the morning? Well, I wouldn't know, sweetheart. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's... It's a possible event, let's just say. Um, yeah, to, in to, the, so to let yourself into, into the house. possible event. <laughs> so like, to let impossible. yourself into the house and then like stick the... He's making breakfast, isn't he? ...record player on, making them breakfast. I mean, that's very sweet, but seriously? When you know this guy's in love with your wife, you're still letting it's him st- in your that, house. Un- I can't understand he's still around. And then, and then he's brought them this tree... And they name the tree George when they plant it, That's and it's right. one of those snapshot memories that, that he looks at and goes, "Oh, isn't this?" Isn't this remembers all good? kind of ah. The then they both go to work, and she kisses her husband on the lips, and then kisses okay. Ryan O'Neill on the lips, and you're like, "Is this coming? Like, what is going some on? Kind of three way kind of. Can everyone just step back and tell me what's going on here? Because you've got to imagine, <laughs> guys, on this one, that your best mate. Kind of lives with you, kind yeah. of. Now, where did he live? If, if his best mate, right? It was mentioned that he'd been married twice, two failed marriages. Well, you don't know that for a while, though, do you? No, but obviously during this period, he wasn't there. He he must not have been with his wife, or was constantly around their house. And that's I would that's be why so he had two failed off. marriages. Well, they're the two failed marriages. How did you go on dates? I mean, how did you do it? Yeah, I'd like to introduce you to this to this couple. Well, why did you go around, you creepoid? And they'd be like, well, because... Uh, I love because, her. Uh, well, and, and, and the marriage fails. And he's the Anyway, the marriages fail after he dies. The marriage hasn't failed at this point. Two failed marriages are in the future, are yet yeah, to come. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah. if he's married, like the best mate, if he's married, then... 
Oh, they say, why are you still going around to that woman's house? Would go, hang on a minute, why are you still going around there so Oh, much? you'd invent an excuse or and just say... you'd take your wife with you so that it's transparent. But that's a bit weird. So there's three of you now sat on the couch. Corinne. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, time and everything. <laughs> we, we, our podcasts are going to get to be about two hours if we, <laughs> we carry on like this. Anyway, um, there's a case going on. He's a lawyer. Uh, yes, you're supposed to like him. Uh, so before he gets run over, he's in a mafia case, um, and basically the judge goes, "Oh, there's nothing to nothing to see here," type thing, and basically <laughs> he's he's got him. Um, then cuts to him taking following the judge, getting a tip off, and then following the judge and he taking gets the pictures tip off from his best mate. Yeah, so his best mate rings him up because he works on the paper, and then goes, "Oh, uh, I think the judge is meeting in the park with somebody, and oh, he needs to go and take a picture," and he does. He takes a picture. Which you never really find out whether or not he was run over on purpose. Oh, true that. Hmm. And yeah. there's part of me that thought, oh well, but that, nobody saw him. Nobody knew that no, this piece of film exists. No, nobody knew he was there. No, that's right. That's anyway, it gets yeah. to the afterlife. Well, if you're in for a treat, if you like religious afterlife cliches of people standing in line while everything's white and cloud-like, um, yeah, it's all there for yeah, you. Yeah, apparently you stand like in a queue waiting to be processed. And there's only about fifteen people in the queue. Yeah, and it's not a, a significant representation of the population. It seemed to be a lot of old people who were white. Yeah. Uh, there were no children whatsoever. There was a couple of black people there. Yeah, um, but there was no young people or anything. I think it's safe to say, and it's not an uncontroversial thing to say, black people weren't properly represented, I think, in 80s movies. Yeah, you're probably right there. Look at, I mean, I kind of like him, but Ernie Hudson in Ghostbusters. I mean, even even he thinks he he says like, oh, I think I was just added on, and that's a real shame because I really love Ernie Hudson in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think Ghostbusters are him. It's all of them. It's all of them or none of them. And so yeah. Mm. Anyway, anyway, so they're, yeah, they're queuing. Yes, and like everybody seems quite chilled out waiting in a queue, and it's like. I'm sorry, but I thought, obviously this is American-based, I thought Americans didn't like queuing. Hmm, yeah. Or, or maybe they were in, they were joining the British queue. Oh, British, yeah. The Brits oh, if that was, I think there's, well, there can't just be 15 oh, people that have died. Americans don't queue, do they? They get in a line. That's right, back of the line. In the line. As Obama would say. Mm. No, he said back of the queue. That's why it looked a bit weird. Mm. Anyway. We don't do politics, thank you, on this podcast. But uh, if we did, then yes, that would be very completely relevant. different. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is this is a particular bugbear thing for me because there must be many thousands of queues with the people that die every day, uh, unfortunately, in this lovely world we have. So they pick on this queue that this guy happens to be in. He is the only one ranting and raving. He is basically shocked that he was run over and he's now standing in a queue and he seems to be in heaven. But he's still ranting and raving like some, you know, angry telegraph reader or something like that. He's basically going, I demand to see, I demand this and I demand that. And you're kind of like, okay, no one else is, everyone else must be in complete shock because they've just died. Or acceptance. Or, yeah, there might be a couple, yeah. But not everybody has died in a, in a nice way. Some of the, you know. Yeah, true. Anyway, so they're all standing there. He's the only one ranting. So the angels get a bit antsy and then go, right, okay, well, you come to the front of the queue. Right, you can go back. And he's like, what? And he said, yeah, you can go back. Um, we just, all we have to do is inject you with this syringe, which takes away all your memories, and then you can go and be reborn. Now, here's the thing that I really had a problem with. The guy says, well, what would you want to be? Uh, and he looks through his book and he goes, would you like to be an African prince? Um, would you like to be a girl this time? Would you like boy or girl? I think he says to him. And he's kind of like, what? So, do you like to be an African prince? Oh, is there an African prince just about to be born? In which case, I'm going to scrub their pre-existing memories and I'm going to give, and I'm going to send you in the place. And I just thought, how horrible is that? It's like really, really creepy. It's kind of like, right, you can pick, the syringe takes your memories away and then you can have another life. But what happens is, because he rants and raves so much, um, he doesn't have the syringe. Mm. 
mm. they forget to give him the syringe and just reincarnate him. But the weird thing is, in that process, when he's been told which shoot to go down or whatever, um, he's supposed to be a spirit <coughs> at this point. A spirit in the sky? Yeah. Okay. But the weird thing is, he then runs off, taking his clothes off. And you're like, why are you doing that? Because if you're a spirit, it doesn't matter if you've got clothes on or not. So everything that you... So you actually go to heaven in the clothes, in the clothes that you bought, the, the clothes that you die in. Well, that's a that's a good thing to note, actually. If you do believe in the afterlife, you don't always, need clothes. Always no, always dress for the afterlife, because if that's what it's like, the last thing that you die in is basically the thing that you got to heaven in. Oh God, what if you're on the loo <laughs> and you're naked? You just got out of the shower. Well, you're, no, no, because I. Either it's you go in with the stuff that you die in, or your spirit goes there and is basically naked anyway. (laughs) Imagine that though. Imagine if actually is your spirit, and there's just loads of lines of naked people. That's horrendous. Well, yeah, and by the way, you're there for eternity. Have fun. So it'd be one like naturist camp up in heaven. Oh God. Well. Well then, what is it? I hope they don't play tennis. Look, you're either dressed in that Hawaiian shirt you you know you drowned in. And then you're up there and you go, oh, God, I really shouldn't have picked this. Have I got to wear this for the rest of eternity? Yes. Can I have a robe like Jesus? No, no, no. Only only the big guys get that. And it's like, well, can I have something else? What do you think we've got? Wardrobes up in here with the latest collections that we drift up from Earth. <laughs> what what do they actually get? I mean... I don't know. Maybe it... It's a real next in heaven. That's 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 what you need to... I seem to remember they're all dressed in very muted and very kind of plain white. No, they're all dressed in the clothes of diet, diet no, I don't think I'm sure I saw a Hawaiian shirt in there somewhere. Because mm. it would be someone playing golf or something cliched like that. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, so, cut to Robert Downey Jr. He really just happens to be the same college, this is going to be spoiler, as his daughter. Um, and, like Iron Eagle before it, um, he Robert Downey Jr. managed to divert yet a, so we have another example of a woman being diverted away from a computer so Robert Downey, so someone can manipulate it like Iron Eagle yeah. we've got it in here and I know from a security Absolutely point of view no information security principles whatsoever no there's no backup there's no locking the screen no nothing this is a 1989 computer it doesn't matter it's still got my you Iron Eagle was a 1980 computer so yeah okay so mm. uh it's actually we, Iron Eagle 1986 oh, how Sorry. could I how yes. could I um we then have new characters being introduced oh no hang on a minute oh sorry he not only diverts the librarian by saying someone's was it fooling with the folios or something oh, crikey, and then and then she gets all light up and say, fooling with the folios? Oh, good Lord. He goes, yes, you better go and check it out. Better go and deal with it. Anyway, he, t- he talks to um, like his, not known yet, but his daughter, and then basically says she thinks that he works there, but obviously he doesn't. And then some, somehow, weirdly, he's able to go into her account and delete all the dates of the when the books were actually um, issued so there's no record of her having the books no no but because he's a lawyer he then said technically you've not che- I'm looking at your records technically you've never checked them out so you can't have late fees because you don't have exactly them. so he commits fraud yes it's fraudulent activities so the first time you meet Robert Downey Jr he's actually committing fraud yeah oh it's not really yeah, you're good, right it's not setting a good example, is it? Really? He should know better as a lawyer. <laughs> um, but he said he was actually graduating tomorrow, didn't he? That's right. So he's graduating. He's that. He's now met his daughter. He doesn't understand his daughter yet because he hasn't had it on the head. Um, well, I, well, I've got a question as well, though. No, we're gonna. This podcast is gonna be about an Sorry, hour. Sorry. Yeah, but. If he's graduating the following day, why the hell is he hanging around in a library? Because if he's graduating the next day, 
We never see him graduate the next day. No, but why on earth is he hanging around in a library? Well, I don't know. It's, if it's you're graduating the next day, you're yeah. going to just go out on the lash. No, you go out on the lash for your graduation, after your graduation, don't you? Well, I think I I'd have a few pre-graduation drinks. Basically, make it a whole week. Exactly. Why not? Yeah, why okay. not? Um, new characters being introduced. Mark McClure, for those people, for those fellow nerds out there. There, there, I'm out. I'm outed as a nerd. Um, Jimmy Olsen, who played Jimmy Olsen in Superman, he played the photographer at the Daily Planet. Um he basically plays himself because there's no other way that Mark McClure actually plays anything. A bit like Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant plays Hugh Grant in any role. And I've had this argument with oh, somebody. Apart from Paddington. Uh, okay, apart from Paddington. Well, that's still that's that's still for when it's in a funeral, Hugh Grant. You can imagine doing something like that. Mm. I think so. A, a bit like, and I know this is heresy. I, I love all of Leonardo DiCaprio's films, but I just think he plays Leonardo DiCaprio. I just think he plays a version of Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. Yeah. And I know I've been slated for that. Uh, but anyway, it's it, that's that's for another time. Um. Anyway, so. Um. So, uh, Mark McClure uh, works at the paper. Um, Ryan O'Neill still works at the paper, and Robert Downey Jr. is trying to get to work on the paper. So. He tries to get in, and the security guard goes, "Nope, you can't come in." He goes, "Oh, I just want to see, I just want to talk to someone about a job." They say, "Go away." He then gets a pizza, uh, dresses up as a pizza delivery person, and then goes up in the lift. Um, Ryan O'Neill recognizes that he's not a proper pizza person. Why? Because he starts eating the pizza that he's holding. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. then goes into some sort of cupboard comes out in a suit and walks around like he's actually in the paper at this point i will now cut to our friendly neighborhood auditor who will then say to you so he manages to get up in the lift no checks no anything even if you're a pizza person he's not escorted in any way no he just basically pointed at the lift and said there you go go wherever you like just basically got through security gates when everyone else was being checked just because he's dressed as a Chef, and I don't think chefs go out to deliver pizzas, but there we go. Was he just like a chef? I thought he was he had dressed a... like a chef. Oh, okay. He had a big hat thing on, dressed in white. Okay. Carrying a paper bag. And right, I think okay. it was actually like a pastry or something in it. Anyway, right. he goes, delivery for whatever the guy's name is. And then, and he just literally walks. <laughs> J.R. Hartley. St- straight. I don't know why I've got J.R. Hartley on he the brain. He walks straight through the security security um, checker thing. And, and, uh, there's no, you know, there's no action. He, well, when he changes into a suit, he then then blends in. Yeah, but and he's nobody his, checks him. He's got his suit on underneath. He doesn't change into it. He just takes well, the other stuff but off. The, but then nobody challenges him when nobody he's in the office. Nobody challenges him. No. So in fact, does, in fact, so the, he walks into the boss's actually, office. Yeah, and the, so there's obviously no, there's no reception actually upon the Washington Post floor that he's going to. And, and I'm sure Washington Post, being a very large um, journalist kind of paper that it is, would probably occupy more than one floor anyway in a building like that. Mm. So how does he know which floor that this particular office is on? Anyway, there we go. But he's basically unchallenged and he manages to defrock himself from this white whatever he's got on. Chef's outfit. And, and, and kind of walk out as if he's kind of part of the furniture. And I walks into the um, top man's office, and and is sort of still unchallenged until this guy then realises, oh, actually, who the hell are you? Yeah, and weirdly at this point, Ryan O'Neill vouches for him. Yeah, he goes, oh yeah, I know him. He's he's literally met him in the lift, but because he's got a good vibe from him, he's gone. Yeah, that's fine. This guy, yeah, I'll vouch for him. So, he's then suddenly in there. Now, at this point, <coughs> if you're watching, if, if you're actually, if you've actually watched it, then you, you'll know this next point. If you haven't watched it, please watch it, but but stop it at this point. If, if you are watching it as, as we're, you know. No, there won't be. All right, <laughs> okay, well. Ahead by now. Because what you start to see here is the quickest friendship the quickest close friendship you'll ever see in your life. 
because the chain of events from there is he's gone from the lift to the office he then goes takes him back to his house yeah. and says do you want to come for a barbecue spo- and a beer basically sponsoring him sponsoring him but do you want to come back for a barbecue and a beer well no he sees sees him like in the parking lot is it like no he, off- he offers him a lift home doesn't he basically Robert Downey offers him a lift, a lift home, home and then he realises he's living in his car but doesn't make reference to it no as such but then and then offers him do you want to come back for a barbecue and a beer yeah so they go back for a barbecue and a beer they do some extremely phallic corn stripping while looking at each other which is very odd oh, I didn't pick that up very odd they're, 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 look at, they're literally looking at each other while they're stripping corn and I'm like this is a bit um, anyway so uh, he sees um, he sees the garden he sees her planting something in the garden and it brings a memory back and it sparks a memory no she's a, she's tending to the bottom of the tree with the um, that the he flowers, saw like 20 odd years and ago and this tree George or whatever it, they called it mm. Charles or whatever um, <sighs> basically they'd um, they'd planted it and this tree obviously good continuity the tree's got bigger Charles the tree <laughs> so um, so yeah she's tending to the flowers in the same position that she was all those years ago and mm. it sparks the memory doesn't it but, yeah and that's where it all comes running back now at this point um, we fast forwarded a little bit he started drinking beer he then went on to wine he then went on to champagne and then he's been on to whiskey. Oh, didn't pick that up. And I'm like thinking, do you know what, Robert Downey Jr.? I think you would have liked that. <laughs> I, think he, I think he kind of would have liked that. So um, the memories flood back. He is now full on confused, psycho, because things are coming back and he really doesn't know how to deal with it all. He remembers things oh, that are hit, in the drawers. He's and hitting things and he's, he's looking at things and he's trying to see, oh my God, everything. As he's opening up drawers in the toilet, is it, he's opening up drawers in the toilet and they're still in exactly the same place as they were when he left. Yeah, 20 odd years ago. So she's kept those drawers for 23 years in exactly the same place. Why? Because half of them are full of her stuff. So unless she uses the hairbrush and then replaces it back in exactly the same place... He's going to go, well, this is my house, or, you know, maybe it's not what's going on. Anyway, it's extremely creepy, the bit where he's still there. He goes outside. They follow him outside, and he's, like, going, oh, wait a minute. This is this is my car that I used to have and all this sort of stuff, and, and, and all these memories come flood back. What would you do at that point when a complete stranger that you've let into your house that seems to have drunk an awful lot of alcohol is displaying tendencies that are making you feel uncomfortable? Do you, A kindly ask him to leave B not kindly throw him out and go this isn't behaviour we expect in our house or C would you invite him to stay yeah weirdly offer him a bed for the night offer him a bed for the night um, weirdly they chose they chose C not only did that the next day they leave him alone in the house while they all go to, respectively to work by the way Mary Stewart uh, uh, Masterton um, is the daughter obviously she comes back because she's a lawyer um, and she joins in and she sees all of this but she's still falling madly in love with him because she thinks he's like hot and, and everything so you've got this weird parallel thing going on meanwhile the next morning all three of them get up to work and leave Robert Downey Jr. in the house and even give him a set of keys yeah right this is less than 24 <laughs> hours it's probably less than 12 you know you might be looking at whatever time you're going to lift back less just over 12 hours so he takes the key to the house he goes to see Sebel Shepherd because now he says I've got to tell her that I'm Louie he says that he's Louie she doesn't believe him um, and basically uh, to, there's a massive sort of you know exchange there he then goes to see Ryan O'Neill and basically says um yeah, I don't know what's going on. This is this is all really weird. He then goes to see a psychic. No, so he doesn't. He goes to a shop that's... Well, the psychic's in books. there, but he meets the psychic. She's just in there because she owns it, I think. And, and yeah. It's about spiritual stuff, isn't it? 
And then she asks him if he was a Labrador in a former life. Oh, God, yeah. It just That just goes really strange, I thought, then. Um, Sybil Shepherd is an event organiser, isn't she? Uh, that's her title. So she's organising an event for um, First Lady Waxwork Exhibition. Yes. So she's got a deal now with Robert Downey Jr. saying, by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm your ex-husband. She doesn't believe it. Um, but it's weird. Because, she, because he says that, I'll come back to the other thing. After, she, after somebody says that to you, so the person that's lived in your house that seems to be having some sort of mental episode has then followed you to your workplace told you that he's the reincarnation of your husband what do you do at this point is it a tell him to go on his way b tell call him more forcefully call a doctor or c actually say yes you can still stay at the house that's fine would you like to come to the my exhibition that i've set up yeah the as my gala. as my opening gala it's the it's, it's all about first ladies and waxworks of first ladies the level of the waxworks are basically oh they're shocking they're basically like that place in Wales, you know, that does like copies and every Christmas, the, oh, usually the tabloids it's do something horrendous. on them and go, can you guess who this person is? And you go, yeah, that's quite, you know, quite, quite clearly Tiger Woods. And they go, no, it's Daniel Craig. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Um, so, yeah, it's very, it's very odd. Um, they introduce them to a benefactor. They're basically trying to get some money um, to fund fund the exhibition. Uh, properly, uh, Mavis Talmud. Talmadge. Mavis Talmud. So basically, Robert Downey Jr. is a huge charmer. Uh, he realizes he's not going to convince anyone, but uh, so they've got the daughter still chasing him. Uh, Sybil Shepherd is now wondering whether or not he actually is, and it's all going round. But meanwhile, they're going out and having a perfectly good night out. Um, uh, the 65-year-old Mavis dances with Robert Downey Jr., who is supposed to be 22, isn't he? No, I think they they basically they cock themselves up because mm. they mention about 23 years, 24 years, and 27 years. Oh, it's taken average. So yeah. it's like 25. It is, make so. your mind up. Okay. How long is it? You know. Well. All I know is that she dances with him and he charms her, but she starts grabbing his ass and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but the and it's weird very, thing is, very odd. He encourages it because he's twirling her, and you're like, okay, yeah. this, this is a guy that looks like he's actually suffering some kind of mental episode. Yes. You've then let him loose in a charity first night opening gala. This is probably 24 hours since they met him. Yeah, there. and he's there twizzling like the most important person that they've got to basically schmooze yeah. to, to get some money out of to, but, for the exhibition to continue. And at that exact point she turns around and actually believes that it could be her ex-husband reincarnated because some of the mannerisms and things that he does. Oh, it's just weird. Oh, so yeah, we are in very strange territory. Um, uh, I think it's actually at, quite disrespectful to this uh, oh, it's, lady it's, it's, as well. It, it, it made me cringe a bit. There's a lot, but we're up to 42 minutes, so I'm kind of like, we've got to... Uh, um, the, as uh, Amanda has just said, um, he's dancing with it. He twizzles around and around and around and around, and she collapses and had a heart attack. And you're like, right, okay. Well, that was a good idea to bring him. It was a good idea to let him dance. It was a good idea to uh, forgive the quite obvious sexual indiscretions she was performing upon him for the sake of money and that's that might be a whole different other thing that we don't talk about <laughs> that's yeah, fine let's not, yes, let's not go there um but it's not right but it's the 80s so you know people were getting away with it um so at that point she they all then go home and and this is where the film turns from trying to be a romantic comedy trying to be sort of sympathetic and turns itself into a nice screwball comedy so if you listen to the trailer at the start and then you watch the film you wouldn't you would you would then think at this point the film that i saw in the trailer this is where that film starts yes. this is where this this screwball thing goes because then you have the most moonlighting thing that's probably in some of the episodes of Moonlighting, which some of them were pretty dreadful, but most of them were were, were top class. 
Possible, I'd say. They are fighting in her bedroom. Robert Downey Jr. is fighting with Sybil Shepherd, and she's throwing things at him, and he's going, "Oh no, no, no! Don't, don't, don't throw the vase. That was father's." You know, it's the horse, I, isn't and it? And you know, it's yeah, yeah. the horse. Um, and she's like going, "Oh, I'm doing all the sort of Maddie Hayes thing that she did in Moonlighting," <laughs> and she's going, "You should be arrested. You should be arrested for impersonating a person," which is straight out of Moonlighting. That is the exact same thing that she would have said in that. Um, but. It was almost, she asks a question and basically says, do you know, did you get to pick your reincarnation? And he says, uh, no, but I don't know what's going on because otherwise everyone would be realised. So at this point, the turmoil going on with his mind must be going, why is nobody else on earth experiencing what I'm experiencing? If, if reincarnation does exist, then why is nobody else going through this? Why is it not documented? Some people come back without the injection. Some people escape the queue up in heaven and go and go back down. You obviously think there was an injection? Well, there was there was an injection because we saw it at the end. In the film. In yeah. the film it was. I know. Well, no, I don't believe there's heaven, so. <gasps> Spoiler. Anyway, so. But this is the thing. So, I don't understand the reincarnation thing because when, they started, when they're talking about this, does she get... Does she get reincarnated? You know, does it? Does this whole cycle keep going through? Oh, perpetual. Yeah, it's just a cycle. perpetual thing. Do you never die? In which case, heavens must be empty. So there's not lots of naked people going around in heaven. But they're not people; they're spirits. But the spirit's gone somewhere else. So, do, yeah, that's a point. So if I go up to heaven, hi, I'm Charles Hunter. Hopefully, I've done a lot of work and made people smile in a lot of ways. Do they then go right? Okay, your spirit can go in. But do you want to be reincarnated? Oh, what does that mean? Well, you'll go into another body. We'll completely raise your memories through this massive syringe. Comedy syringe, I may add. It's massive. Um, and then you'll go and live as a dog. Or you'll go and live as a woman. Or you're going to live as some, something else. What happens to me? I, I then don't exist anymore. Presumably. Because I get my memories wiped. There is no Charles Hunter anymore. There is now... I don't know, Charlene. Oh, so we're just a perpetual yep. spirit. That so yeah, don't start thinking on those levels. I think when they wrote, it, they had a romantic memories, comedy in mind. They had not. That they thought hadn't thought about, about the existential questions that would come from something like this. But anyway, I never so yes. Thought we'd mention that word, existential. Existential. Oh, that and many others will be coming in the future. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but it's almost like, how do you make a complaint about this? How do you make a complaint that my memories weren't weren't wiped? He's dealing with all of this. He's got no one to complain to because he's got no frame of reference because nobody else has documented it in the world. So he's pretty much on this earth as a complete anomaly of yeah, not having so, it. so, right, if you are reincarnated hmm. as something else you won't have, and your memory's erased, you won't take with you all the no- knowledge and lessons that you've learned. Okay. But, do, <coughs> but you get to pick... Presumably, you get to pick how you get reincarnated. <coughs> but what's the point? Because you're not going to have any, any memory. Does it just not make you feel better? They probably don't reincarnate you. They probably go, mm, that's pretty much it. But don't worry, you'll be reincarnated. Just go through that door over there. And then, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, let's thinking, move yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Mad Cat Maddie moments. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I kind of like that. That's where it was pretty good. Um, day three, the next day. Um, and he's still living there. <laughs> he's still living Despite there. Despite all that's happened. Yeah. She goes to see her shrink. So she goes to see the uh, the person, the counsellor. Um, and the, the, the counsellor says, look, this is wrong. Seriously. If you actually believe this, which is complete hokum, it's almost like you're dating a younger guy. It almost seemed like really sort of puritanical. I couldn't care less about people's ages. You know, love's love. It's just what it is. You know, and yet, meanwhile, you've got this sort of puritanical, oh, well, I don't think that this will work. Well, clearly it is, because the next thing that they do, they go off on a big car trip together. <laughs> um, and... They, you see lots of montages and driving through, ha ha ha, a bit of wine here, ha ha ha, and all that sort of stuff. And then they start to talk about it. They start to talk to each other. And you go, oh, do you know what? You're so beautiful. She's now accepted that this is her husband reincarnated, mm. fully 100% accepted. 
So, again, listen to the timeline. Three days. And he turns around and he goes, I want more kids. Yeah. And she goes, oh, really? Not like, are you mad? She's like, oh, really? So, in the 80s and the early 90s, there are some spectacular romantic comedies. I would say it's one of the best eras for romantic comedies. This isn't one of them for me. Because it's... I love the premise of it. Um, it's worth noting that this has a 65% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but also a 65% user rating, which means it's one of the few times that the critics and the and the users are perfectly aligned on this. Mm. More people than not love this film. So if you're listening and I'm performing Sacrilege, look, I mean, there are, there are better films out there that fit the romantic comedy. But anyway... Ron, Ryan O'Neill, makes his move. Oh, I've called him Ron. <laughs> it's Ryan O'Neill. It's short term for Ryan O'Neill. Let's call him Ron then, shall we? But no, anyway, Ryan O'Neill makes his move. She makes her move. Um, Robert Downey Jr. gets chucked out. Oh, there's a whole kind of oh, it's, mad it's, cat, maddie mode. It is. It's, She's yeah, yeah. Like, they're just in the throes of like... I've, I've Get, getting down to it That's and then it. like Ryan O'Neill with his key comes in he comes back in like obviously with this key that he's squirrelled away in the bush yeah every time in the because same he's place. cooking to try and impress her to tell yes. her that he really loves her yes he tells her that he really loves her um goes she Robert Downey Jr. goes oh Jesus there's somewhere else you don't need to be because basically they want to get jiggy as you say yeah. chuck Ryan O'Neill out but then he goes oh I forgot my keys or something and then comes back and sees them with the pants down and basically just about to get it on. Hmm. So that's where Robert Downey Jr. is still chucked out. Um, and in 22 years, it takes, I'm going to say 20, let's say 25 then. In 25 years since Robert Downey Jr., or the husband, has been reincarnated, he never once made a move on her. So he's been married twice. Yep, so we get that bit. But he never once, in the failed marriage, she never went, oh, come here, Ryan O'Neill. I'll, you know, I'll look after you. Don't worry. Don't worry about your failed marriage and all this sort of thing. At that point, didn't he think, oh, I'm never going to get a better chance than this. Do you know what? Do you know the reason why my marriage failed? It's because I'm still infatuated with you. I always have been. And, and, and then make his move there. No, he gets married again. And then that fails. And he still doesn't take a chance. And it takes this complete stranger that's managed to hoodwink everyone. Um... It's a, he's actually telling the truth. Obviously, we know that as the as viewer. But they are all t- trusting him so much that he's actually doing what he's saying. That it takes a complete stranger for him to, to act like that. But anyway, Robert Downey Jr. appears to still... I mean, everyone's got keys to this place. It's like a hotel for strangers. Because it's just... <laughs> basically, people are coming and going. So, Ryan O'Neill hits his head. He puts... Robert Downey Jr. puts Ryan O'Neill in um, Sybil Shepherd's bed, then goes and sleeps in another bed. The daughter comes in and tries to sleep with Robert Downey Jr. Um, and she's like naked and whatever. And he's like, oh, uh, go to your room. I can't believe you're doing this, right? She doesn't know he's a dad. Um, so it's a lot of th- things that go on. But at that point... They're all running about and he falls down the stairs, doesn't he? And hits his head. When they're all running from each other's rooms and it's like, no, oh, no, what's no, going on? No, it doesn't happen there. Oh, I thought that's when it happened. No, no, it happens at court. Oh, you have to, well, what, I can't remember then. I thought he fell down the stairs. He does? Yeah. But what happens that night is Ryan O'Neill is is knocked out unconscious Robert Downey Jr. realises actually these two need to get together I'm causing a lot of issues here it's never going to work I right. need to move on okay he puts Ryan O'Neill in the bed that he was going to sleep in yeah and then um the yeah, daughter I just said all of this yeah the daughter yeah. comes in goes upstairs doesn't go into the room but then um Sybil Shepherd then goes into Robert Downey Jr.'s room and then realises it's not Robert Downey Jr. It's actually Ron. 
or Ryan O'Neill. But they kind of get it on. Yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. is kind of not there. Right. But then he turns up at court, doesn't he? Because A, he remembers from the judge. Yes. Brings back the memories and he says, oh, I've got some microfilm about you. You're corrupt and blah, 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 and you take money and all this sort of thing. Yeah, and the judge isn't there 25 it's years the later. It's the daughter's first day. That's right, as a prosecutor. as a prosecutor. So he goes so back he and goes gets the camera. So he yeah. realises, oh, that's the judge. It brings back this memory. And basically he says permission to approach the bench. That's right. Goes up to him, basically tells him what for, and says, mm. I know that you took a backhander, da, 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 da. Um, the judge basically denies everything. Um, and then Ryan O'Neill jumps up because then he realises that they'd had the conversation yes. and that he took photographs because Ryan O'Neill told him to go and He tells Ryan O'Neill to go and find so the camera. So he says, go and get the camera. So basically, he's got the evidence all yeah. these years later of this judge being a naughty boy. Yeah. Oh, you naughty boy. So he falls down the stairs at the court. So he falls down the stairs at court, yeah, when he's trying to escape being arrested by the police. Right. In court. I think this whole film should be called My Crazy Week. And then he ends up in hospital. It then ends up in hospital. And the daughter doesn't know. But but Sybil Shepherd and Ryan O'Neill know. Yes. But he wakes up and then goes, oh, where am I? I don't know anything. All that sort of stuff. And he's like, oh. And they're like, great. Because at this point, the angel comes in. Just as a nurse. Just as a nurse and gives him the syringe so he's lost his memory. Yeah. So it isn't the fall down the stairs that means, oh, by the way, he's lost his memory. He probably still has his memory in the hospital, but then the syringe goes in and he's lost his memory. Yeah. They come in knowing that this was the reincarnation, but now it's not. Yeah. And then he's then allowed to... Well, we don't know what happens with his relationship with... Well, we assume that he gets he gets invited to their wedding, to, to Ron's wedding... Ron and Sybil's, show, <laughs> Sybil's wedding. Yeah, it all happens quite quickly. It's very strange. It? So Timeline's yeah, very short. There on was it. a there was a um, a film, and it is on the list called One Crazy Summer with John Cusack. Uh, I love it. It's a great film. It really is a good film. Um, I'm not just saying that. Um, it's definitely very 80s. But Robert Downey Jr. gets invited to the wedding, and he's there at the wedding. So he must be seeing the daughter. Yeah. Because there's no other reason for him to be around. But the um, the old lady that got twizzled round and mm. thought she'd like basically snuffed it, she's, she's in as that's one of right. the guests. And... She gets, oh, she'd given him the two million, hadn't she? Yeah. That's right, yeah. And the, for the, the, um, the guy from heaven, the angel from heaven that gave him the shot. Yes, he's, he's in the, the crowd. So you're like, there. oh, hang on a minute. Is someone going to cark it at the wedding? Oh, uh, wait a minute. I'm picking you up on your security thing. Is nobody going, who the hell's this? Who's this? Who invited this? Is yeah. this bride or groom? He must have gone up. To the, presumably there's an usher. He's gone bride or groom. Uh, well, I don't really know. Uh, maybe maybe it's like um, Sixth Sense. I can't see dead people. Maybe he's dead. I we can't can, see dead people. Well, no, because nobody could see him. Oh. I see dead people. No, no, no. Maybe he's. Maybe oh, he's we can opposite. see him. Maybe we can see him, <laughs> but nobody else can see him. So he's Bruce Willis. No, he's the angel. Yeah. Right, but nobody else can see him. So that's why nobody's going. <laughs> why are you at the wedding? Because he's because he's taking up a chair. So effectively, the chair next to Mavis. Oh, so you mean that any would any be empty? If somebody put their bag down on the chair, chair it, would, it would hover in midair because it's actually on Especially an angel. Especially on an aisle seat. Angels of spirits, you can put stuff through it. Like Casper the ghost. Oh, is it? It's like, you know, stuff passes through him. Oh, Patrick Swayze. He had a curry. In ghost. But yes. Um, anyway, it all finishes there. Um, and then Cher sings. Oh, um, what, what also was a little bit weird was hmm. when the daughter wakes up in the morning, I'm just rewinding a little bit, and okay. finds her mum in bed with Ryan O'Neill on that oh, morning creepy moment but yeah. yes what's she say Sybil then leaves the room and she's like all excited the fact that he's basically knobbed her mum yeah and and then she says I want details and yeah, you're I like want details. I, yeah. what 
Oh, God. You wouldn't that was, do that, was, that. That was horrible. That's just overstepping the mark. You yeah. wouldn't want... Oh, no. Oh, do you just... know what? You've just got to watch, you've just got to watch it. I, I think at this point, one of the best things in the film happens. Um, it's a... It's... Um, Cher and Peter Satira singing After All, the love theme from Chances Are. Um, Cher obviously loves it that, that much because two weeks ago I took my daughter to see Cher. Our daughter, sorry, sweetheart. But she's mine as well. She's yours. She's ours. It's, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> this, this particular time, my daughter and I um, went to see Cher. Um, and yeah, she obviously loves this song so much that it's transcended this, you know, and I'd have to say it, it's, it's a pretty crappy little film really that doesn't doesn't do an awful lot so she obviously loves this song so much she's including it in a tour 30 years later people still love this song i bet the people that love this song that have no idea it was featured in a film because it's just one of those things it, she sings she still sings it wonderfully it's sung wonderfully it's one of the best things and it happens to be at the end so yeah that was chances are um Chances are you won't like it, but then 30, 65% of people do like it. Hmm. So if I've just insulted one of your favourite romantic comedies, um, I say I think you need to get out and see more romantic comedies. Um, because <laughs> obviously, obviously, you, you know, it's a bit like saying um, I like shark movies and my the first, the first and only shark movie uh, for me is, I don't know, Jaws of Revenge. And I'd be going, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, you obviously haven't seen Jaws and Jaws 2 to, to a lesser extent. You know, two great movies. Jaws is best movie of all time, of course. But it's almost, it's akin to, say, if somebody comes up and says, chances are it's one of the best films I've ever seen, then I think basically don't listen to them. Is what I'll do. Anyway, as I say, that is chances are. Uh, I don't think we liked it. I don't think, I don't oh, think we'd watch it again. Bad. Well, I wouldn't watch it again. I don't think I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again for Robert Downey Jr., who's, as I say, we could watch in anything. I mean, I mean he's really good. Um, next time, we won't be doing a romantic comedy. I think, should we do a teen comedy? Should we? There's loads of them that I've got. Is there? Yeah. Do you, want, do you want an action? We've had action with Iron Eagle. We've now had romance. What do we do next? Do we do... Uh, I don't think there's any in-depth political dramas or anything like that, so... Let's do a teen movie. Let's do one of the forgotten teen movies. Yeah? What, like Teen Wolf? That's not forgotten. Everyone oh, okay. knows who Teen Wolf is. Okay. Do you know who Teen Wolf... So who played Teen Wolf? Um, oh, uh, Michael J. Fox. Great. Who played Teen Wolf 2? Not Michael J. Fox. No. Jason Bateman from Ozark. Oh, love Jason Bateman. Yes. And Jason... I, well... This is going off point, and we really must end it here. I, this I is the last thing that I'm going to say. Jason, I actually prefer Jason Bateman in the Team Wolf Two than Michael J. Fox in Team Wolf One, even though I absolutely love Michael J. Fox in it. Jason Bateman is one of those underrated late bloomers for me because he got a, a slew of stuff in the in the 80s. One of the films we have got a Jason Bateman film. On, the, on our list. Oh, can we do that next then? Oh, oh well, yeah. It's called Moving Target from 1985. Um, wow. There we if, go. We've just picked it. Yeah, but I've got to tell you this. The dog's name in the film, which will all become clear, is called Kamir. <laughs> That's the dog's name. And yes, I do remember weird oids, like little facts like this. But when you see it in the film, that has a relevance to it. Oh, well, there you have it then. Um, oh, God, we're doing moving targets. Jason Bateman. See, she says that with, and I'm, you can't see this, she says that with a really nice, you know, excited smile on her face. Wait till you get to the end of moving target. Oh. And then let's see if that smile... Well, the funny thing is, that I used doesn't to turn upside down. Jason Bateman well, in, in my younger days. Well, who knows? It might be one of those <laughs> one of those people... I don't even know the Rotten Tomatoes score. It can't be higher than 30. It really can't be. Well, we'll find out. Anyway, we'll end, we'll end it here. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Yeah, we do appreciate it because I think we got notified that we got 10 listeners. 10? Ten listeners. So Sorry. to the to the I, I mean I'm an I play this pocket. I chuckle. I, I listen to it and chuckle about <laughs> it. Um, so to the other eight listeners, presumably you're listening to it, are you? 
Uh, might be. Okay, so eight. Thank you, eight listeners. <laughs> Apparently, when we roared a th- this, so when we upload this podcast, yeah, to Buzzsprout, our podcast host, to who? Buzzsprout. Okay, I thought you said uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh, we then get told where every uh, where people are listening from. Oh. Now oh. this is the last thing to end. I have to give a shout out to a uh, a guy that's given me a lot of help with podcasting um, called Rich Hodgson, and he does um, a podcast called Scruffy Looking Dice Rollers, um, which I've subscribed to today. Um, but he's. Uh, he says that he's going to listen to the podcast. Oh. Um, and he showed me the breakdown. There's 200 and odd people that listen to his podcast every time he does one. He, it's basically a dice rolling game to do with Star Wars. Um, that they, they fly all over the world and play. It's just like, you know, one of the things he does. And he's very passionate about it. And um, he says that he's going to introduce me to it. So I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a go. And I, and I can't wait. But he showed me on his app today. And there's two people listening from Barbados. And you're like, and he said, I didn't even know the game was out there. And I don't even know what to get it. And and I said, is that just part of the podcast or the whole thing? It's like, no, it's the whole thing. Ah, so there you go. Is it, is it actually in Barbados or is somebody using like a, a ghost oh, VPN? Yeah. yeah, because you know what? Just to disguise your things, just for a laugh. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll wow, disguise it for know. Anyway, we've got to end there. Um, thank you, lovely listeners. And we'll see you again soon. See you next time. Cheers. Bye. Love you.